Blog Talk Radio. Playing Sports City Chefs from Amazon Music. to the year, but other than December, I think March has that 
euphoric feeling of just so much craziness that may go on. Um, I do have Mike in the building. Mr. Harvey, welcome to the brunch this morning. How are you feeling? Mike, can you hear me? I may be having a little bit of good morning. Sir, good how are you? I'm all right, and yourself? I'm good. Lots to get to. I appreciate you uh, having me as always. See if we can uh, get served up this morning. Okay, I, I know this this uh, daylight saving time is, is a a kicker, but we got to get through it as best as possible. Uh, again, the month of March in its madness situation, seeing some incredible things go down. Um, I got to try and work backwards as best as I can because I got to save the meat and potatoes for the end of the show, which would be college basketball. So I, I got to get to the NBA and things of that nature. So right now in the NBA, we have a, a new revitalized look uh, with the Nets and the 76ers uh, going at it. And we kind of see how the scales kind of got weighed in that matchup. However, the uh, the Nets are still at the bottom of the Eastern Conference uh, with the record having them at the eighth seed at the moment. Um, I actually had a discussion with a few people, especially outside of Sports City, uh, stating that this is kind of what I think the Brooklyn Nets had to idealistically set up. I feel like they're better than an eighth seed in the Eastern Conference. However, they have to remain, I say at best, a fifth seed. Um, they could get as high as five, but that'd be it. If they go to four, they have home court advantage. And, you know, if Kyrie's not able to play at home, it kind of stunts them. If he's playing away where other teams feel like power, they're powerful with the four games at home, including the crowd, at least Kyrie could actually help, you know, mount some type of win on the road, at least one game if they could steal one in another team's arena. Uh, your thoughts on the Brooklyn Nets as they're eighth in the East, they are three games behind the Raptors. Can they at least catch seven or six to stay away from the play-in? I mean, I think it's very possible. I think you've got uh, pieces on that team for them to to be successful. Um, you know, I you feel like that we probably haven't seen the best of what that, that team has to offer. We only see it in flashes, and that's probably what we're going to get a lot from this team because you're not getting that same consistent uh, lineup night in and night out. But, yeah, is it possible that they could uh, make it to the six and avoid the play? And yeah, but they're running out of time. And I think that's, uh, you know, what they would want. I feel like uh, if they could get into a rhythm and keep crowds quiet, they're kind of at home, you know. And they still haven't had the addition of Ben Simmons. I'm just wondering how the Nets play this. If they get him in soon so he could get his legs underneath them so they can make this run at the postseason is another thing. The second thing I look at also is that all he has to do is just play basketball. He doesn't have to force himself to shoot because he's, surrounded by shooters at this point in time. So uh, if he could distribute, uh, penetrate and kick and things of that nature, I, I, I think that this could help him a lot because he's in the game and or he can naturally play his game and not force himself to do what Philadelphia needed him to do. And I'm not giving him any excuse on what he did in Philadelphia. I'm still kind of mad on how he wouldn't shoot the ball. But now it's a different dynamic around him 
where he doesn't have to force the game. He has Seth Curry. He has Dragic that can hit shots. He has Kyrie on the road when they're together. KD, of course. Uh, Patty Mills. There's, there, there's tons of shooters around him to hit shots. So this is a favorable situation for him in the Nets at this point in time. So right now they're sitting at the eighth seed. Um, I also want to ask you a quick another question of another team in the Eastern Conference and see how you feel about it. The Boston Celtics are a team that is playing very well at this point in time. They've been streaking uh, electric basketball. Are they a team that you think can force themselves to get into an Eastern Conference final again? The way that they're playing right now, and uh, I, I feel like this is contagious, at least in the month of March. Yeah, you know, a month ago I might have said no, uh, but this team has found has found a different level, a level of consistency. They've been playing some very good basketball. They uh, they seem to be kind of on the court and playing well together. Um, so yeah, I mean, listen, Atlanta did it a year ago. Um, so can you? Can you get hot or, or ride a wave all the way to the uh, the conference finals? It's it's definitely uh, it's definitely possible. I think there are a few teams that are legit contenders to make those Eastern Conference Finals, and with the way that Boston is playing right now and the way that they have been able to play lately, like you definitely have to put them in that conversation. It's an interesting name that you just brought up, and I kind of like want to touch on it, not even that much because I do want to get around the board as best as possible, and that's the Atlanta Hawks. The Atlanta Hawks were a team that got to the Eastern Conference Final last year. They are now 10th seeded in the Eastern Conference, below 500 at this point in time. They're 32 and 34. They could end up missing out if they keep playing around. Uh, however, the Wizards are behind them, and they're on a losing streak at this point in time, losing their last three games. Um, how do you feel about this Hawks team with the same pieces that they, or majority of the same pieces that they had last year, are not as successful in this season? They're going to need to play in to make it to the playoffs. Do you think the Hawks get in? Your thoughts on the Hawks altogether, though? I think they should probably find a way to get in. I mean, I, you know, I, I think that. You know, it was going to be interesting to see who they brought back and who they didn't and what they were able to do. And I mean, obviously we know that they did end up with Collins back and a lot of pieces left in this team. Um, you know, they, they did make a couple of trades to try to tweak the roster a little bit. Um, but I think this Hawks team hit its ceiling last year. I think they're still young. I think they're, I mean, obviously, uh, Trey Young's still young. Collins is still young. There's youth on this team that, and and some pieces that could maybe go deeper. I mean, you got some of the components of a, of a championship-level team. But I almost think that with this Hawks team, with this roster constructed the way it is, um, that we might have seen the ceiling for this group of guys so you might have to kind of rework some of those other pieces around these uh these stars to to make it work but i like listen eastern conference finals hell of a season for the atlanta hawks a season ago uh people thought they had a shot against the knicks in the first round but people really didn't see that team making it that far 
Um, but the glass slipper, uh, you know, came off. Uh, the chariot turned back into a pumpkin. Uh, you know, all those things started happening once they reached the Eastern Conference Finals. And I thought Atlanta was a team that had a chance to maybe get back there and contend this year. They've uh, underwhelmed me as far as as far as any of that goes. But I don't I don't see them uh, I don't see them getting back there. And I don't know that that these guys or that roster is constructed can't do that. Yeah, and that's the struggle that I have from last year to this year. Um, knowing that the COVID situation was around, Trey Young is actually a good player. I can't take too much away from him. Uh, just his scoring was at a premium, and the way that they had to move through, they got through the Knicks that kind of rode that storm, and that storm turned into a tidal wave with them knocking off Philadelphia. And we know, as we just discussed, uh, them needing Ben Simmons to try to score, and he didn't. That was something that Atlanta took advantage of and ended up getting rid of them and getting to an Eastern Conference final where they bumped into a team that was destined to try to make it happen, and Milwaukee got past them. Now they're with the same dynamic, a good amount of players that are back from last season, and they just don't look like they have that same, you know, aura that they had last year to make this run. Uh, they got Gallinari. They got Trey. They, they, they got Collins, even though they were trying to get him moved. But they didn't. There were so many rumors and discussions of watching him try to leave Georgia, uh, but it didn't happen. But now the Hawks are sitting at the 10th seed. They are a, a couple games ahead, the Wizards. And it, it depends on if the Wizards get their act in order because they're letting a lot of games slip by. Um, I, I just don't know. Uh, the, the ninth seed is the Hornets. I feel like if they play the Hornets the way that the Hawks are playing, I feel like they can beat the Hornets. However, the Horn, you don't know what Hornet team you're going to see. If they come out and play electric basketball or they just let a team get them at their worst situation because you don't know what game you're going to get out of LaMelo Ball. LaMelo Ball has actually fallen as much as I support his play and things of that nature, but he is not the same player that he was at the start of this season and definitely how he ended the season before he got injured. Uh, you don't know what Terry Rozier you're going to see at any point in time. He could go off and hit six threes, have a 30-point night, and the next thing you know, he'll have a, a slow night where he's giving you anywhere from 13 or 17, and they know that team needs more from him. So I don't know how that game could turn out. I feel like the Hawks can actually steal that and get in or or play the second game and see how they can uh, advance toward a playoff situation. But, uh, again, I'm not buying this, uh, them being under 500. This is something that's not favorable for me to look at them, especially the way that they played last year. It's interesting to me, too, to, to – you look at that, and, you know, you just mentioned another team right there, time that, like, if you think about going into this year, uh, people thought maybe Charlotte's ready to make a run, right? Like, Charlotte was right on the verge of that play and everything last year, kind of played around on the fringes of the playoff, if you will, showed up, um, and then – People talk about the young talent on that team. Um, add, you know, add the ball with, with Hayward and those type of guys too. But the different guys on that roster, people, uh, you were starting to hear people say, like, wait now, look out for Charlotte. That might be a team that turns out to be a problem come, come postseason or a bad matchup with somebody. And, and they still could be, but – I, to me, 
Charlotte, Atlanta are two of the the teams that have underwhelmed are disappointed to me because going into the season, people thought, well, maybe these are both teams that could be about to take a giant step forward, and neither one of them have have been able to do so. Okay, let's let's move to the Western Conference because uh, I do want to save a lot of this time for the uh, the dancing. <laughs> I gotta I gotta talk about the dancing because this this month is just extremely mad. So looking at the Western Conference, um, it was a game that took place yesterday with the Golden State Warriors, and um, they played the Milwaukee Bucks. However, the Bucks ended up winning that matchup, but um, in this matchup there was a extreme outburst from a guy named Clay Thompson um, in which in this situation, Clay Thompson went off for 38 points and uh, got a good amount of three point shots up. And um, this was like the old clay and you see him get emotional, like near tears, everybody coming to try to support him. And I understand the battle back, you know, like doing the best that he could, you know, to get back out there on the floor and, and, um, you know, help to provide a team. Excuse me, I said loss. I, I didn't mean that. They won the game, uh, 122 to 109. Um, and he, I, I guess this is the old field that Clay had. And um, knowing that injury came around and he tore his ACL, I think. it was. A, I know it was a ligament. And he was out uh, in the finals against the Raptors, uh, came back and in practice uh, the next following season because he had to miss the entirety of that next season. Uh, he tears his Achilles in practice, and he's out for a second season. So it, it, it was just bad to, you know, have this happen to a guy of his caliber, but he kind of got his mojo back up against the defending champions, and they also played decent defense. Um, for him to go off for 38 last night, helping Steph Curry, because Steph didn't score the ball well last night also. Uh, your thoughts on Clay actually having this type of, I, I don't know if this is redemption or, like, a justifiable situation, but your thoughts on, on Clay bouncing back and actually helping this Warrior team that's been struggling as of late pull off a big win up against the Bucks at home? Well, we've seen a few, like, flashes here and there. Uh, but, listen, I don't care how much, how much working out you're doing, how much practicing, um, there's nothing like there's nothing like game shape. There's nothing like you can run and practice how you want to. It's a different level of uh it's a different different level of conditioning or a different level of intensity it takes to actually run through game action. Um as far as this season back a couple months or whatever here and there. It's been taking some time to get his legs under him. To see Clay with such a breakout game last night just tells you as a fan, like, okay, there may be more here. Um he may still he may still have this kind of uh this kind of game in him. He that it tells you that, you know, a lot of people fear well, how much has he lost or has he lost a step since his, uh, since his surgery? Did he lose some of his explosiveness? You know, uh, TV, you and I have talked about on this network, even him being like a, a pretty explosive jump shooter and, and shooting at the top of his jump and how he's going to continue to uh, 
you know, and how his game will evolve or, you know, what this recovery will look like for his game. And so uh, you know that it's in there now, seeing uh, that kind of uh, explosion last night. You know that it's in there. So stay tuned. Let's see um, game in and game out. But we know what the ceiling is now or what it could be or at least that uh, that we can still reach to those kinds of heights. So now let's stay tuned and see what kind of uh, consistency we can have. I mean, we don't expect the guy to go for 36, 38 every night or nothing crazy like that, but can he consistently uh, continue to get his legs under him and be that assassin from three-point range and be that scoring presence or that, that other presence that this team needs to kind of uh, – you know, balance things out. Um, so you have the splash brothers again, if you will, and you add a different dimension or a different. Uh, I, I'll be watching that as we move forward to see how consistent he can be, and, and uh, you know, if if those legs hold up. But we at least know that uh, we we know that it's still in there now. And the interesting thing is, they need him to continue this. They are tied for second right now with that win. With the Memphis Grizzlies, they both are at 46-22. and 22. The Grizzlies have the leg up in the tiebreaker at this point in time. Uh, the Warriors are 4-6 and six out of their last 10. The Warriors are 6, uh, excuse me, the Grizzlies are 6-4 and four out of their last 10. Um, in which, if the Warriors were to stop today, they would be lined up up against the Denver Nuggets. I think they would actually take care of business up against the Nuggets. I do not believe in Denver, especially without Jamal Murray, uh, to beat a Warrior team. Even though they've beaten them this year, a buzzer beater uh, took place in uh, San Francisco. I feel like in the thick of things, when the lights are on in the playoffs, I feel like the Warriors have to turn that on, especially the way that they came out, guns a-blazing, just to let everybody know that they're still around. But the Grizzlies are another story in their own success in their own right. Um, I want to go through some more games before I I close out on this situation. Um, The Heat lose their matchup up against the Timberwolves in Miami, 113-104. This is a puzzling situation. I was actually talking outside of the kitchen uh, with the Heat being one of the top teams in the Eastern Conference. For them to lose to a team in the Minnesota Timberwolves at home, it's a head-scratcher because uh, Tyler Harrell had a 30-point day for the Heat. Uh, Anthony Edwards went off for 15 points and eight rebounds. Really not a heavy situation, but they still clean the heat up. And this is, you know, an uh, interesting loss for the Heat at this point in time where they kind of got to stay afloat uh, where they are in the Eastern Conference. A lot of these teams have me scratching my head on how this went down. The Chicago Bulls win their matchup in Cleveland, uh, 101-91. The Cleveland Cavaliers are actually slowing down at this point in time where they were guns a-blazing. Jared Allen actually has a broken finger and is out for a good amount of time. I think this may end up being the fall of Cleveland at the wrong time. The Indiana Pacers beat the Spurs 119-108 in San Antonio after Coach Popovich eclipses Donnie Nelson for the most wins in uh, coaching history in the NBA. The next matchup I have are the Toronto Raptors winning their matchup up against the Denver Nuggets, a team that I just discussed, 127 to 115 in Colorado. Um, the Raptors are an interesting team. You don't know what team you're going to get at any point in time. Uh, Pascal Siakam goes off for 33 points, five rebounds, and seven assists. Jokic has a 26-point night, 10 rebounds, and seven assists, close to another triple-double. Uh, he's fascinating to watch. He brings a lot to the game, but they need more 
around him to help support him with these type of games. I, they, I can't ask Jokic for more unless he turns into a shot blocker, which he doesn't have that type of game. He's not a, a high flyer that, you know, go chases uh, shots in the paint. I mean, he's a big that could score, very talented, can shoot and distribute, but there needs to be a consistent gun around him. Jamal Murray was that guy, especially with his loss up against the Raptors, a team that knows that they have to go out there and win in the Nuggets also because they don't want to be lingering around seven and turn into a playing team and end up losing. So this is an interesting loss. I don't want to say incredible or something like that, but an interesting loss. The Utah Jazz win their matchup up against the Sacramento Kings at home, 134 to 125. This was a slugfest. The Aaron Fox goes off for 41 points, 11 assists, and three rebounds. Jordan Clarkson goes off for 45 points, two assists, and one steal. This was a, a match for the night. I, I must say that this was a good game. However, one had the win, and the Utah Jazz took advantage of that situation. The Utah Jazz cannot continue to lose games that they're supposed to win. And the last of the roundup is the Portland Trailblazers win their matchup up against the Wizards at home, 127-118. to uh, KCP goes off for 26 points, five assists, and four rebounds. Josh Hart goes off for 44 points, eight rebounds, and six assists for the Portland Trail Blazers. Um, I don't know what the Blazers are doing. Yeah, exactly. I don't know what the Blazers are doing. Like it's like this is a team that's been struggling, and then they start going off. It's like, are you guys trying to tank to, you know, get a better pick? Are you going to win to keep your head above water? Are you guys going to save Chauncey? Like I don't, I don't know what the Blazers are up to. But this is a big game by Hart. Uh, putting up 44 up against the Wizards, a, a Wizards team that just came off of a loss up against the Lakers the other day. But now they're going the wrong direction. But I don't think I, – I really think, like, the Wizards probably may end up packing it up because Bradley Beal is out with an injury, and I don't think he'll be expected back because he was in a sling the other day. You can see him in, uh, during the Lakers game. So I don't know uh, how much the Wizards want to attack this season without their notable leader uh, and Bradley Beal. Uh, Mike, your thoughts on any of these situations as we move forward? Yeah, so <clears throat> you notice the Pacers did what the Lakers couldn't do this week. Uh, <laughs> they went to San Antonio and won. This uh, in Minnesota also like uh, that. That's a big win for them in Miami. Just a confidence builder. Um, people talked about Cat going out of there and all these different things, and it wouldn't work. And, you know, I said it last year. I'll say it again. This is the closest Cat has really come to having a, a true legitimate uh, star alongside in the young in the young man, Anthony Edwards. Um, and the thing is, is Edwards doesn't mind the limelight. I feel like Cat would like to just have his play be the talking and then just kind of step back. Um, Edwards doesn't mind like stepping into that spotlight. Um, so Minnesota is, you know, in that in that play in that play in that seven eight right now. Um, so this team is taking a bit of a step forward to get into that playoff picture and not be like um, on the outside looking in. And so it'll be curious to see. Um, if they stick out this year, how this works, if this team does see this as a little bit of progress and if they try to do things to uh, continue to surround both of their young stars with complementary pieces to help them continue to grow. Because, uh, like I said, this is the best uh, piece that Cat's ever had next to him since he's been there, and that kid's continuing to uh, 
kids kids continue to grow up a little bit, mature. As we watch, he's starting to get that back off his breath and, and grow into a young professional. So uh, I, I'm curious to see Minnesota's story that I'm going to kind of be uh, continuing to, to watch moving forward. Um, you write about uh, Portland. What a big game from Josh Hart. Uh, he's a guy that I've always liked just since he's been in the league. I like his effort. I, you know, the, the guy plays hard. Um, so the one thing that you can control every night as a player is how you compete. And he definitely does. Uh, he definitely does compete. So glad to see him have a game like that. You're definitely right about Utah. They've got to stop. Uh, they've got to win the game they're supposed to win. They were able to do so last night. Uh, you know, it, it's funny how many people have talked about uh, the possibility of uh, – DM Fox being out in uh, in Sacramento. Of course, now they made some other moves and traded some other guys. Uh, but De'Aaron Fox is uh, a pretty good player. That, that seems to have his name thrown out there a bunch as far as somebody that that may move at some point. But there's a lot of talent there. That guy's pretty good. Yeah, don't forget they also had D'Angelo Russell. D'Angelo Russell's actually had a good amount of games this season too. Uh, just his consistency is what bothers me, and that's been his nagging situation from Brooklyn to the Los Angeles Lakers and so on and so forth for on the roster that he's been on. Uh, he has the knack to get to the lane and score. He can shoot threes and have a big night here or there, but the consistency has to lie for the Wolves, and they're again at the bottom of the Western Conference. So that's why it bothers me for them to go into Miami and beat a Miami team who's sitting atop the Eastern Conference. Like, this is, was, this is head-scratcher-worthy, like, you know, I don't buy what Miami's giving me right now. They made the championship a few years ago in the bubble game down there in Florida up against the Lakers, but it's like I didn't think that they would be back there again. I think they're a threat to actually make a push in uh, the later rounds of the Eastern Conference. I don't think they'll get swept like they did last year because this same team got swept by Milwaukee badly. It wasn't even like it was like a nail-biter game. Like I think every game Milwaukee played them, it got worse. It got worse until like game three. It was like, they didn't even look like they belonged to be on the floor. And in game four, I think they lost by 40. So um, I think this is a redemption situation for them. And Spolstra, Spolstra's a good coach. I can't take anything away from Spolstra. Spolstra's brought a lot to that team since uh, he basically got the reins. And since, you know, Wade and LeBron and Bosch, everybody left, uh, he still was able to make this team a contender and get them back to a final, even though they fell short up against his former player in LeBron James. But, um, that that's just something that I I feel like the Heat they have to get this figured out sooner or later. Um, as we move into the thick of things, the call in number is nine two nine four seven seven two seven five nine. We got you locked and loaded for the next half hour. Um, I tried my best to like sit on it, and I'm like I'm I feel like it's Christmas Eve, you know? Like I, I can't wait for the clock to strike twelve because it's like my presents are under there. I gotta like get to them as best as I possibly can. So. Sports City, allow me to get into this the best way that I can. As uh, we had a lot of the conference battles go down, championship play, whether it was semifinal or final, um, some of your favorite teams have gotten knocked off uh, as of yesterday. And uh, I will get into this as best as I possibly can. The UCLA Bruins lose their matchup up against the number two ranked Arizona Wildcats. The Wildcats win the Pac-12, 84 to 76. Matherin goes off for 27 points, seven assists, and four rebounds. Jacquez Jr. goes off for 18 points, 10 rebounds, and one assist. This is where the madness begins. 
the Kentucky Wildcats. It's funny, I go from one Wildcat to the other. The Kentucky Wildcats lose their matchup up against the Tennessee Volunteers, 69-62. In a losing effort, Ty Ty Washington goes off for 17.6 rebounds and four assists. Chandler goes off for 19.3 rebounds and two assists. Another matchup in the Big 12, and it's a final. The Kansas Jayhawks win that matchup against Texas Tech, 74-65, in which B. Williams goes off for 17 points and four rebounds to Texas Tech, and McCormick has an 18.11 rebound, one assist effort in a winning situation for the Kansas Jayhawks. More madness, a.k.a. mayhem, and this is where, like, a lot of this goes crazy. The Virginia Tech Hokies. Probably the story of the day for me, at least for me. People may feel another way. Um, they win their matchup in the ACC tournament final up against the Duke Blue Devils, 82-67. to 67. Start here. The Virginia Tech Hokies, 23-12 and 12 on the season. In the conference, they're 11-9 in the ACC. This is the first time that they've ever won the ACC. The Duke Blue Devils are 28-6. They're 16-4 in conference play. And they also closed out the season on an interesting loss to North Carolina where their guard play meant a lot. Their guard play failed them. They did a good job to get to the final right here in the ACC tournament here in the tri-state area in Brooklyn. And they played Virginia Tech. And this game was actually interestingly close in the first half. Virginia Tech, however, had the lead by three. In the second half late in this game, Virginia Tech took off and they could not stop them at all. Uh, Paolo Benchero led, uh, led Duke with 20 points, five rebounds, and assist. Couture, this guy was amazing for them. He had a 31-point night, uh, four rebounds and one assist. He's electric shooting from the floor. And uh, there was a punishing dunk on Paolo Benchero. If you did not see this dunk, that may be one of the best dunks in the um, conference championships or the tournaments, however you look at it. Um, I feel bad. As much as I am a, uh, I, I want to say I feel like the rival in my own mind toward Coach K, and I know a lot of people I grew up with felt the same, did not, you know, like how Coach K's reign has happened in Duke. It's always I feel like that blue and white is a red and white circle with a bullseye on it. And, um, you know, every time somebody plays Duke, they're going to get their best effort. But this is a game that I know that that team knew that they had to win knowing that this is the end of Coach K's run, knowing that this is his last ACC tournament, and knowing that 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 conversation that he had to have before the game or in halftime is like, let's get back into this game, and this team is not finding resolve anywhere to get back in this. And I think it is their guard play that's hurting them. For them to continue to turn the ball over or not shoot the ball well, this is puzzling as they approach the big dance. So I feel bad for Duke. I feel like they're a – Sweet 16, maybe an Elite 8 team. I don't think they get knocked off in the first or second round. If Coach K loses in the first or second round, he's not retiring. There's no way that he leaves the game like that. And not to say, like, on his merit, I, I feel like he's a better coach. He deserves better than that. He deserves way better than that. Let me let me continue to go because I'm getting stuck on a Duke situation. And that just, that just goes to show you how much I, I go at Duke. Like, my mindset, my heart is set on Duke, whether they win or lose. But more or less when they lose, I'm – I like to talk about it. Um, Villanova wins their matchup up against Creighton in the Big East, winning this matchup 54-48. to An interesting matchup because it's a low-scoring affair, but this, to me, and I'm biased as well, but this is where basketball lives, at least for me, for the Big East. They had to break this conference up, and uh, it's still an interesting game. 
Uh, Kalkbrenner goes off for 19 points and eight rebounds, one assist for Creighton. Uh, Gillespie has a 17.7 rebound, five assist effort for Villanova uh, in the Big East tournament. Semifinal game taking place in Indy. The Purdue Boilermakers win their matchup up against Michigan State, 75 to 70, uh, forcing this situation for them to get to a Big 12, Big Ten final. Uh, you have AJ Hoggard that went off for 17 points, 10 assists, and four rebounds for Michigan State. Uh, Jalen Ivey has a 22.9 rebound, five assist uh, day for the Boilermakers. I feel like Purdue may be one of the teams that you have to watch. Uh, they have so much size. They have so much length. They play well together. They can shoot when needed. Purdue may be a team that people know about that I feel like they're the real deal. They are the real deal. They And, and the center, is it's hard to guard him. He's seven foot four. Like, uh, that's a tough situation if you're worried about – staggering him they they have players that can score outside of them so you're going to have to click on all cylinders have one of those a games that purdue goes to sleep to knock them off they have lost games they lost all six of their games within the big 10 outside of the big 10 they have not lost to anybody the next matchup we have we have a another madness situation in which Texas A&M wins up against Arkansas 82-64 to in a blowout where a lot of people felt like Arkansas would steamroll Texas A&M the way that they have been playing up until this point. It did not happen. Texas A&M looks like they are trying to get their ticket punched to get into the big dance. Uh, Jackson goes off for 20 points, six, five rebounds, excuse me, and six assists uh, for Texas A&M in a winning effort. And Tony goes off for 18 points, three rebounds, and one assist in a losing effort for Arkansas. I still feel like Arkansas still will be an at-large bid and get into the dance. However, Texas A&M, if they win this Big 12, I mean, excuse me, if they win the SEC, this would be huge for them moving forward. The next matchup I have is in the AAC Conference. Uh, Houston wins their matchup up against Tulane. They win by 20, uh, 86-66, in which Forbes goes off for 19.7 rebounds for Tulane. Edwards has a 20.7 rebound, eight assist night for Houston. Uh, going into the final. Last but not least, uh, the Iowa Hawkeyes win their matchup up against the Indiana Hoosiers, 80-77, to in which this is one of the more epic endings that I've ever seen. Um, but Tracy Jackson Davis, this is Dale Davis' son, has a 31.10 rebound night and three assists as well. Uh, Murray has 32 points and nine rebounds. For the Hawkeyes, however, if you guys have not heard of Jordan Bohannon, this guy is a dead-arm shooter and was shooting well at the end of the game and has the shot of the game where anything, I mean, everything was on the line when he took the shot. So um, (laughs) this is an incredible way to, like, break this down. The Hawkeyes have the lead by four. The Hoosiers go down and get two free throws. There's a two-point lead. They're trying to bring the ball up court. And the point, I think this is actually the point guard. Yeah, this is the point guard. He gets ripped before he gets half court. And he's looking at the big, like, trying to come and help him set the screen instead of trying to get back because there's a guy behind him trying to basically get the pass and make the layup. He's not even trying to play defense. They get the layup. They're tied up. Iowa brings the ball up. They get (laughs) get in their half court set, moving the ball around. They can't really get a shot up. Seconds on the clock left. I really want to say like four or five. However, this goes down. Uh, Bohannon gets the ball. 
Uh, he comes off of an uh, interesting screen, but there's still a guy in front of him. He takes a step forward, but where he's at, he's damn near near half court. He's damn near near half court. He looks at the clock. There's like three seconds left. He just throws it up. Just threw up a three-point shot. Two, one, banked in a three, and it's one second on the clock. And everybody, just to just watch him yell at the Indiana bench. He ran. <laughs> Yells at the Indiana bench. Everybody on Indiana's bench is like with their hands on their heads, pulling their jerseys over their face, everything that you could think of, like, with, like, the, the disbelief that he made happen in that game, incredible. This is this is what March is about where it, it's mayhem. It's mayhem, and you're going to see these games where buzzer beaters happen or teams that you don't think will win. Um, I think, well, at, at the beginning of this game, I thought I would, would win this game. I didn't think it would be this close, but this was what, you know, March is all about. And uh, I thought it was going to go to overtime. I didn't think that he was going to get the shot off. I didn't think he was going to hit it. But he used the glass to get there, and it was a bank shot for him to hit it. And he was at least a good 30-plus feet out from him to shoot that shot and uh, hit it dead on. And um, uh, Indiana tried to make something happen. They couldn't, and, and the Hawkeyes advanced uh, going up against Purdue for the Big Ten final today. Uh, Mike, your thoughts on some of the games that I mentioned, some of the teams that I mentioned also, and, and some of the teams that you're thinking about uh, moving forward, if they can make a, a difference in the dance. Mike, are you still there? Can you hear me, Mike? Mike we have a yeah, man, I was doing the same thing. It happens to us all sometimes, but uh, I'm here now. Uh, I was just talking away. I, like, I thought I already hit the, uh, hit the mute button. Now, so... Uh, Lots of things here, man. Like, first of all, the end of that Iowa game was incredible. Um, I agree with you. I uh, said going in that I thought that um, Iowa had a uh, very good chance against Indiana, and I honestly uh, expected Iowa to to win that ball game, and they were able to do so. So, uh, big win for there for. Uh, the Hawkeyes. Listen, Texas A&M has some uh, some bad losses this year, uh, but when you hit the stride that they've hit, including um, road wins at Alabama, um, you continue the what. Uh, you look at how this team has played down the stretch, and then they come into uh, this SEC tournament and they beat a bubble team in Florida. Then they beat the number one seed the next day in Arkansas, I mean in Auburn. And then the third day they beat Arkansas, who has been as high as anybody in the country right now. Um, I, other than other than go back and maybe try to, uh, which, you know, obviously is not possible, other than go back and replay uh, a couple of those games that they shouldn't have lost earlier in the season, um, I don't know what else Texas A&M can do. Uh, like I, I feel like even if they don't win today, they should be uh, one of those teams in. Uh, Virginia Tech winning last night may have uh, may have hurt uh, one of those last four in, or, or you know, pushed somebody into that last four out category yesterday. Uh, so seeing how some of these finals turn out is going to be interesting for for that reason, but. Uh, as far as uh, Tennessee taking care of Kentucky, that was a 
a series this year that Kentucky dominated on their home floor. I think they put up 107 or something. And then Tennessee beat them pretty bad in Knoxville, so this was a, a neutral site. And listen, uh, Big Blue Nation for basketball travels, man. They're in Tampa, and that arena was still uh, filled with blue uh, yesterday. So uh, Kentucky Nation definitely travels for for their for their basketball. Uh, it, it, some people were picking UCLA because they've been playing well down the stretch. I don't know if it's uh, you know, what have you done for me lately? Or people just kind of uh, forgot what kind of good ball Arizona has been playing most of this year. So um, Arizona winning that Pac-12 tournament uh, did not surprise me. It did come as a surprise to some, but but not this guy. Uh, listen, uh, there's the conference tournaments always provide, you know, wall-to-wall hoops. You can find it on your television all day. Some of these tournaments ended yesterday, but you've still got a lot of it, uh, a lot of games, conference championship games coming up today uh, leading up to selection, uh, leading up to selection Sunday and, and the brackets coming out this evening. And don't forget about uh, Sports City Chefs and Barbershop collaborating for our bracket challenge. Check out what we're doing there. TP, you there? And I was up here doing the same thing you just did. I'm up here responding right <laughs> to you. Um, but I, I do want to go back to a team or a coach that I've been picking at or poking at for a while, and not just to his ability of coaching, because he can coach. I'm not going to take anything away from him coaching. But I think he does something better than coaching, and that is actually attracting players to come play for him, and that's Coach Calipari. Um, for him to be in the game as long as he has, uh, even though he also went to the NBA in the 90s to go coach the Nets, for him to only have one national championship up until this point is another head-scratching situation. The year that he did win it is when Anthony Davis basically ran college basketball. Um, if he would have lost that one that year with the talent that they had around Anthony Davis, this would be an extreme question around him. Um, I wonder how Coach Cal goes forward. He lost his game up against Tennessee a game that I know that he clearly should have won the SEC right here uh, in a a puzzling form, even though I can't take anything away from Tennessee. Tennessee has played good ball. They have, but I feel like Kentucky was constructed better. They did not lose a home game at all. I know that they knew what was on the line trying to play for Coach Cal, and uh, they ended up falling short. Um, He is the coach of the one and done. I I know that this is something that actually stunted uh, Coach K. Coach Krzyzewski – He's fell or fallen into the situation because this is how the both of these guys recruit. They go get the best All-Americans that they can to come load their teams up, and these guys are so talented that the talent pool doesn't make it to their junior or senior year. They're not competing with any junior or seniors to go to the draft, and the agent runs up on them and be like, well, we can make a lot of money. <laughs> you just roll with me. They're like, okay, well, we'll leave, and we'll go <laughs> into the draft and end up getting a contract and – uh, not really playing as much as they want to. This has actually helped or, or hurt both of these coaches, but I really want to talk about Coach Cal because every year Kentucky is a threat or a juggernaut, except I want to say last year and the year before they were struggling. But now this is a year where he kind of looked like he's back and they still fall apart. I don't know if Kentucky gets to a Final Four. I don't know. I think there's a situation where they end up stubbing their toe 
uh, somewhere around the Elite Eight. I think they're our Sweet 16 team. I don't want to take that away from him also. But him, just like I said with Coach K, if they lose in the first or second round, this is all for naught. There's a lot of questions that need to be asked by Coach Cal. Um, one of the best talkers, though, i got to give him that. He he knows how to address the media. He can answer questions with the best of them. But the way that he's panning out year after year, and I know it's hard. It's hard. I'm making it seem like it's easy, but the the pieces that he's had, the, the kids that he's been able to bring there, and if you think about the league and the NBA, a lot of the players that are quality players across the board came from his school. So it was like, how did he not be able to make it happen while they were there? And uh, how did he not build off of this situation and them losing these type of games? So Coach Cal, just like Coach K, I hold these guys both to the same fire. You guys have to be an Elite Eight or better team. You guys can't get to the Elite Eight and fall. Like, I really want you guys to be finding four teams. Because, Coach Cal, this is going on for far too long. The last time you got one, again, like I said, was Anthony Davis. You have not gotten a championship outside of that. Coach K, this is your last run. As much as everybody wants to see you get a national championship, your guard play has to improve in a week. Well, no, no, let me not say that. In four days. <laughs> not, not even a full seven days. You have four days to get this together, maybe five. It depends on how you, they're suiting your game to be played on Thursday or Friday. If not, I, you can't lose first round, Coach K. I, I don't want to see you leave like that. You're my arch nemesis. Like, I feel like you got to do better than this, or I get to pick on you like crazy, and then you just go off into the sunset with your family and live your life, so on and so forth. And it's just the competitive nature of sports. I'm not saying it's like I'm some villain or whatever, but that's just the aggression I hold toward it. Another coach that I have in mind also is Bill Self, the coach out of Kansas also. He only has one championship as well. And, again, like I said, it's not easy, but he's had a ton of talent come through those doors. Uh, whether they're a Jayhawk or not, they should have been able to get him another championship. And Baylor was able to get one under his nose out of the Big 12 also. So these are some of the coaches that just come to mind for me that make it interesting that I feel like they need to do more, but I feel like they can end up meeting at the mountaintop. It's just which team is ready to go get that trophy. Life is hard out here for a pimp, DP. Now, listen, uh, Coach uh, Coach Kyle, like, you know, obviously our first memories of him really were taken off at UMass. Uh, listen, he made that Minuteman program more relevant than it's ever been before and since uh, with that run that he was able to go on with some of those guys and some of the talents that he got at UMass with Travieso and Canby and, you know, some of those guys over the years. You know, then he goes to Memphis and he gets close, a couple more Derrick Rose free throws, and they probably get a national championship uh, when he's at Memphis. He always has um, – listen, he always has the talent. He always has uh, – Bill Parcells once famously said that if you want me to uh, cook the meal, you got to let me shop for some of the groceries, right? Um, Cal Perry's always had uh, – top shelf groceries um unfortunately uh sometimes sometimes come march he ends up cooking up a mediocre dish right like um but same with bill self like you said one championship but hey it's one more than uh the roy got <laughs> at uh at kansas uh but you're right coaches that have uh that have had a lot of regular season success, won a lot of games, had a had a ton of success. Um, except for, you know, on, on the grandest of stage, 
in March. They've uh, they've fallen short this year at times. Of course, Coach K with multiple championships, but Coach K also has some bad first round losses. Was it Lehigh? They beat them one year in the first round. Um, so, yeah, the, like spotlights on you, Coach K, for sure. Uh, being your last ride that that you don't, you know, go out as, uh, you know, go out on your sword in the first round or even the first weekend, like anything, anything like that would be clearly disappointing. Um, and and I agree with you, Tom. I think the spotlight's on Coach Cal. Listen, there was a lot of pressure last year. You know, we lost the tournament a couple years ago, uh, but last year with the shortened season and everything, Kentucky just had a one-off, right? They they were really young. They had a, a bunch of guys from Kentucky had a one-off, and they were not. Uh, that product that they put out on the court was not uh, indicative of what we've normally seen from Kentucky basketball. So there's kind of a lot of pressure from Big Blue Nation to rebound this year. They've been able to do that and have a nice season. At the end of the day, these conference tournaments are – are nice. It's good to see these conference, uh, these teams come together and play for a championship. But um, there have been many a team that went down before their conference tournament or that didn't win their conference tournament. As you know, TP that has uh, have been able to have success and cut down the nets on the on the biggest stage. So uh, we'll see if uh, we'll see if if Coach Cal or uh, you know, or Coach K can can make that happen this year for those teams. You know, uh, obviously Kansas still has a chance uh, in their tournament championship today. But you're right. I mean, those are those are three coaches that the spotlight definitely shines on. And let's let's see what you got. You know, in your last uh, in your last two rock, Coach K. And and I think you're right. I think the, the other thing that's going to get them in the end, their Achilles heel, if you will. Is going to probably be uh, for Duke. It's going to be their guard play. We are running down on time. We have a little over five minutes. What is your game of the day as we approach the end of Sunday and watching how the committee puts together these brackets for us to go crazy for the remainder of the month of March? I to me, I, I still want to see what happens with Texas A&M and Tennessee. Uh, you know, they they pulled the win over Florida. Uh, people thought their road was over, and then after the other couple wins that they they put out, I want to see what happens. Um, do they get in either way, or if they beat, uh, if they were to beat Tennessee and get that automatic bid, who does that push out? I mean, I think that's going to be a consequential consequential game um, on the brackets. And so uh, I'm curious to see how how that happens. I'm also curious to see um, what happens in the Big Ten today. Um, in the championship game, I expect Iowa to fall, but we'll see uh, what happens there as well. But, uh, man, I listen. You talk about Christmas. I, I always look forward to every year seeing those four brackets and those sixty-eight teams, and trying to uh, devise my my strategy to to fill out a winner. So, uh, I'm I'm just excited that it's all coming down today and about. In a little bit more than six hours, six and a half hours, we'll start seeing uh, teams come across the screen and brackets will be available everywhere in, in seven hours offline, online and everywhere else. Um, you know, now in the advanced technology, it, it doesn't take long for it to come into our hands. We don't have to hand fill it out from what we're seeing on TV anymore. 
like we used to back in the day. Okay, and there's another game that's supposed to be played today or will be played today, not supposed to. <laughs> um, Houston going up against Memphis for the final in the AAC Conference Championship. Um, this one I'm watching because I feel like Houston should throttle Memphis. However, I'm watching this closely because of Penny Hardaway being the head coach of Memphis. Everything that Memphis has gone through this season, ups and downs and losing games that they shouldn't win and big wins like when they beat Alabama, when Alabama was ranked sixth in the nation. So I don't know if the committee puts Memphis in as an at-large. We will see. Um, Again, just like Mike just said, that Purdue-Iowa game is, you know, popcorn worthy. Like, you better go get your popcorn for this one because Iowa doesn't quit. They got shooters all around the board, but Purdue, they are just big. Like, they're the bullies of the Big Ten right now, and um, they're proving it and knocking off everybody that's in their path. Can Iowa withstand the rain? That is the question that I do have. Mike, we are at the end of the show. I need a plug, close out, shout out, anything that you like to promote as we get out of the kitchen. Yes, sir. Thank you again for having me today, man. It's always fun to uh, chop it up with you on, on Sunday mornings, man. I'm, I'm going to tell you, my, my time is uh, alongside you uh, on Sunday mornings, and, and my time with Sports City Chefs are moments that uh, that I cherish, and I feel uh, extremely grateful and, and privileged, and it's a pleasure uh, anytime I, I step into the kitchen and chop it up with you guys, man. Thank you to UTP. Without you, I wouldn't be here, man. And and I definitely appreciate the platform. Um, much respect to the other chefs, uh, Villain Series, Eric, all you guys, James, Jet, guys that you're day, day chopping up with us on a regular basis, man. Um, it takes it takes a village, as they say, and, and we all try to combine, uh, put our talents together to provide the best product. Appreciate everybody listening. Without listeners, uh, there'll be no reason for us to be here, right? So, uh, thank you guys for listening. Listen, got a lot of things uh, going on. Check out the barbershop on Clubhouse. We're up over 8.3K. I'm sure maybe we're closer to 8.4 now. I haven't looked at the number uh, in the last couple of days. But really, really trying to get to 10K by the birthday, man. So uh, follow us, share us, uh, you know, share the community, invite people in, and, and come join us and be part of our number in the barbershop on Clubhouse. Uh, listen, yesterday in the clubhouse in the barbershop was wild. We had uh, we had a lot of fun things going on. We had a lot of the uh, the legends in the house yesterday. Uh, hey, listen, uh, we were going back and forth with with some of our guys, and hey, I had to drop the big joker on somebody yesterday, bro. So uh, we had we had a lot of fun in the shop. Uh, but yeah, come check us out. Lots of conversations about everything, not just sports related. Uh, we got merch, barbershop merchandise as well. And then Clubhouse and uh, Sports City Chefs and Barbershop coming together to do this bracket challenge. So keep an eye out for that. We're going to be posting that all over the place on our websites, on uh, social media platforms and everything else. Check out uh, the blogs and the merchandise on sportscitychefs.com. We got the Mothership Show right here, the Sunday morning brunch. We also have the uh, cookout on Wednesday nights. We have the front office show right now on Tuesdays. Crossover Cafe on Thursday, so lots of shows and things going on. Every click helps, man. We appreciate the support. Thank you again for having me, TP. Laissez les bon temps relay. That's a good time roll as always. Bonjour, bonjour. I'm going to give you your French right back. How about that? Oh, now. Um, 
man, I don't even know how to close out after you do the French stuff, man. But stay tuned to all of this stuff. I really wish we could get another show in after Selection Sunday, but I know that they'll probably be running stuff Monday, Tuesday, and definitely Wednesday with the Crossover Cafe, Crossover Cafe following up on Thursday, the cookout on Wednesday as well, where I should be at. Um, yeah, and that Wednesday show should be everything, too, because it's right before everything takes flight on Thursday. Uh, y'all stay tuned with everything that we got. Like I said, um, I'm, I'm I'm ready to open up my gifts. There's a game that's taking place at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard, Texas A&M versus Tennessee. Who wants to win the SEC Conference because Kentucky is not standing in their way? Um, and the, the, the late-night game, uh, again, well, late afternoon, 3.30, Iowa versus Purdue. I, that's one I'm watching closely as well. So I'm I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm going to go get all my wings and everything taken care of so I can sit down and get my, my meal ready. Forget popcorn. But you already know how this go down, Sports City. On that note, tell a friend to tell a friend that it's the chefs again. And if they don't know, now they know. Sports City, Sports City, chefs, chefs. Sports City, Sports City, chefs, chefs. City chefs is in the room, cooking up hot topics to put up on your spoon. They well in tune, blown like a flower in June. Superman verse, MF Doom, the clouds loom. So tell a friend, it's the Sports City chefs again. Pay attention, tune in, we on the set again. Uh-huh.